In today's trouble with the snap, Colton and I will be looking at a pretty stacked week eight slate, giving our preview picks, predictions, analysis, etc. before jumping into our locks of the week. Um, and then after that, we will discuss a bit of an SEC injury bug that's been going around um, before finally hopping in to everyone's favorite segment, Life Advice. Roll the intro. Nick Saban, and in 2003, the Tigers captured the BCS. Michigan State's Dalen West Dixon and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable! Alright everybody, welcome back to the latest episode of Trouble with the Snap. As always, I am Will, joined by my giraffe of a colleague tonight. I know that y'all can't see this, but I can on the video end. Uh, Colton Deutsch. Colton, how are we doing tonight, boss? I'm great. Just gearing up for Halloween weekend, which is upcoming. And yeah, I was kind of inspired by Colorado star Travis Hunter's giraffe onesie that he so often wears on various Twitch live streams and things that he does interacting with fans, playing video games. And so I thought I would hop on the train and I was going to wait till Halloween, but this thing came in the mail a few days ago and it is so comfortable. So yeah, y'all can't see it right now, but I'm throwing it on and yeah, I'm loving it. I was about to say, it looks incredibly comfortable, even though you look like Jeffrey the Giraffe from Toys R Us. Um, <laughs> it, it looks great, though. I mean, you look exactly like Travis Hunter with the microphone and the whole computer in front of you. So, yeah, I think you nailed the look. It's so soft. I think I play like him, too, though. D- do you? Yeah, oh, I forgot, to, I, f- I forgot to ask you. How was your, um, your primetime intramural showdown last night? Oh man, look, if, uh, if y'all don't follow me on Twitter, you should. It's Cole Tweets with, I believe, three E's. But yeah, I, uh, yeah, one of my roommates plays intramural soccer. Go out to watch him play and support because if he scores a goal, we're going to do the whole bowling pin celebration. But the issue is that one, he hasn't scored a goal. And two, I mean, look, you go to these games, and like I said, if you follow me on Twitter, you know. UT intramural games means garbage officiating. And once again, I go to the game last night, and it's missed calls galore. I mean, this is just an amateur-level crew. And, yeah, like I'll just say my roommate came home, and he was, he, was, he was pretty nicked up, and he didn't really have any calls to show for it. So definitely think that things need to step up there in the, in, in the intramural officiating aspect. I didn't. I didn't know you were that big of a soccer fan. I mean, as much as as much knowledge as you have about American football, especially specifically college football, you're kind of giving me like a bit of a Ted Lasso vibe right now. I don't know a single thing about soccer. When I go to the games, I just yell random stuff. So just like Ted Lasso? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. I'll just I'll see three guys. I'll be like, hey, run the triangle. What are you talking about? It's not even a thing. Set the pick and roll? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know. I figured it's, it's, it's all the same. You're on a field. It's, it's somewhat like basketball, and there's a goal on each end. 
So I mean, yeah, it's a pretty simple game. You got to put the ball in the net, and that's about it. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm more of an X's and O's guy, but that makes sense. On the soccer field, I guess I have to try and motivate. So yeah. We'll, see. well speaking of the X's and O's, um, you ready to dive into this full slate? We got quite a few games to talk about. You want to lead us off? Yeah. Let's look at game of the week. I think pretty clearly here. Penn State goes to Columbus to face the Ohio State Buckeyes. Shout out to Donovan Jackson, Episcopal High School legend. Yeah, this is an awesome matchup. It's just stars galore all over the field here. Offensively, defensively, they're just dudes on on every side of the ball. And yeah, I mean, I this game's been tough. Look, Ohio State's a favorite. They've been battle tested more often than Penn State so far with them beating Notre Dame on the road. Kyle McCord's playing a lot better. You still have obviously Marvin Harrison, one of the best players in the country, probably the best at his position. You've got a lot of playmakers on defense with Steel Chambers, Lathan Ransom, guys like that. But I don't know. Ohio State has not been able to run the ball as much as I'd like, and I think that Penn State's defense actually matches up pretty well. Look, it's a big test here for Drew Lar, pretty much his first big-time test for them. And with the unknown status of Travion Henderson, I don't know. I think this is kind of the team that James Franklin has been waiting for since about 2016 with that Saquon Barkley team. And, yeah, I think that the Nittany Lions get it done here in Columbus. I like that. I agree with that. Um, if you don't mind, may I, may I jump into my bit of expertise in the SEC real quick? Go for it. All right, so the next game I will be breaking down here is uh, Mississippi State going on the road to Fayetteville, taking on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Um, pretty big game for Arkansas, considering um, just how well they looked against Alabama last week, but fell just short. You know, as I mentioned earlier in the week, they, they've started out the season two and five, so definitely not the most ideal start at all. Um, however, when you have a three and three Mississippi State team rolling into your hometown of Fayetteville, um, you know, you got to be feeling pretty good about yourself, especially considering you went toe-to-toe with the best team in the West up to this point in the season last week. Um, as for this game, K.J. Jefferson, as I've said in the past a million times, he will be the X factor. Um, you know, if the K.J. Jefferson of the second half last week shows up, then I think Arkansas is in a really, really good shape to get their third win of the season. But if, um, if the first half K.J. Jefferson shows up from last week, then they're hosed. Um, I hate to say that, but it, it's the truth. Um, as for Mississippi State, as I mentioned, they are three and three with uh, led by Will Rogers. He's having a pretty, pretty respectable season. You know, he's thrown for twelve hundred seventy five yards with ten picks or excuse me, ten touchdowns compared to four picks. Um, so, yeah, pretty, pretty good stats for him. Um, although I, in this game is in Fayetteville, Arkansas, you know, truly they got to give their fan base something to cheer for, something to feel good about for the first time in over a month. Um, I'm liking the Hogs in this game. And um, the, the one thing I will say about Arkansas is I feel like they really got to get Rocket Sanders going. Um, you know, that dude was such a quintessential piece to their success rate last year. And since his return, he's just been, I guess, I, I don't want to say average, but he hasn't been up to that standard that he certainly was playing at last year and what we know he can all play at. So um, even though that is, is uh, the case for him right now, I still do like Arkansas in this game. Let's take a look at two Pac-12 teams that are both in desperate need for a W here as Washington State goes on the road to Eugene to face the Oregon Ducks. Look, Washington State, the last two weeks, it's been a real struggle for them. Arizona, shout out to Jed Fish. He has some playing some very good football, but they blew Washington State out. And ever since that hot start of the season for Cam Ward and, and the 
Cougars, things have kind of tapered off there of late, and I don't see that really changing here. I think Oregon takes out some big-time frustration here on the Cougars, and I don't think this game's going to be particularly close. Yeah, especially considering uh, what happened to Washington State last week. Um, I feel like it, you could pretty much bet the house on Oregon this week. Um, all right, anyways, jumping back to the SEC a little bit, the next game I'm going to talk about is Tennessee and Alabama. So you said that, in your opinion, Penn State, Ohio State's your game of the week. Uh, Tennessee at Bama is definitely going to be my game of the week. Um, I'm really excited for this. You know, both teams coming off pretty big wins um, uh, this past weekend. Um as painful as that is for me to say about Tennessee. Uh, anyways, um, it'll be really curious to see just how well Joe Milton can handle this test. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, um, uh, two days ago, he looked, I would say, pretty much average for the most part against AM last weekend. And that was at home too, nonetheless. So that might be a bit of an issue. But however, if the Joe Milton that we all know he can be shows up on Saturday in Tuscaloosa, um, then Tennessee will be in very good shape. As for Alabama, you know, the thing with them, as I, as I also just said a moment ago with Arkansas, um, they put up, I, what was it, like 24 points or like something, something. They put up like 24 straight points against Arkansas and kind of hit the snooze button and just kind of just thought they could waltz their way through the rest of the game, and that clearly wasn't the case. So for Bama, um, you know, I, I'm hoping they've had a pretty good week at practice so far, and um, ultimately, ultimately, they can clean that up. I know that um, Tennessee's defense will present much more of a challenge for, for Bama than Arkansas did a week ago, but still, um, if Alabama can truly just – you know, play a complete game from start to finish, then I see them winning by probably at least two touchdowns. Um, regardless of how well Joe Milton plays for Tennessee, I still think Alabama just has that many dudes that can outgun Tennessee. Um, so, yeah, I am rolling with the tide here, even though um, they had their own respective struggles last week. I, I think they will do enough to clean it up going into this game against Tennessee. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm interested to see how Milton performs. I'm with you. I just I don't really see how Tennessee is going to score on Alabama just with what I've seen from Joe Milton so far. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Tide there as well. Let's take a look at the game that is responsible for the name of our podcast, Michigan at Michigan State. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap. And, yeah, I think Michigan State is going to have a lot of trouble this week, even being at home. Obviously, you don't have your head coach, Mel Tucker, which – might actually be kind of a good thing considering how you've been playing the last year. But, yeah, I think that Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, Blake Horam, J.J. McCarthy are just going to destroy the Spartans. And, look, we're not going to know a single thing about Michigan until they play Penn State, but they've been extremely dominant so far, and I think they continue that this week. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I feel like the, that whole Mel Tucker situation, uh, I don't want to go into too much detail about that because I don't really want our show to get canceled just yet. Um but I feel like that whole situation is kind of a good representation of just how the season has gone for Michigan State. Um, it's just, it's not been good. And it's definitely something you want to forget about. And as soon as it's over, you're going to put it in the past and immediately move forward. Um, even though the game is at home for Michigan State, and Michigan, Michigan themselves are just, they're just too good of a team, in my opinion. You know, J.J. McCarthy is playing exceptionally well right now. Um you know, the boys are feeling good. They're 7-0. As Colton did say, we won't truly know what this Michigan team 
has in store or just who they really are until they play Penn State, which will be an absolute incredible game. I'm already calling that now. But anyways, um, yeah, I think Michigan rolls easily, no question. And considering that, uh, the line is Michigan minus 24, even though this game is in East, is in East Lansing. Um, so I feel like that tells you everything you need to know about this one. Yeah, let's look at an SEC East matchup here. South Carolina goes to Columbia, Missouri to face the Tigers. I feel like South Carolina really needs a win here, especially their head coach having some injury problems of his own that we'll get into later. But, yeah, I don't know. Look, Spencer Rowley is playing some really good football, but I just think Missouri is going to be able to outgun South Carolina, just kind of how you thought that Bama is going to do the same thing with Tennessee. I just think that these weapons from the Tigers are a little bit too much for the Gamecocks at home, and I just do not trust this Carolina offensive line, even though Rattler has been having a very good season. I think that – Brady Cook, Luther Burton, Theo Weiss, Mookie Cooper, and those guys get it done there for the Tigers, and they improve to 7-1. and one. Yeah, I got that exact same thing. Um, you know, as you were saying, Spencer Rattler is playing arguably the best ball of his collegiate career up to this point this season. I mean, he's thrown for 1,724 yards, 11 tutties, and only four picks. Uh, you know, whenever you read a Spencer, a Spencer Rattler stat line, you always expect the picks to probably be higher than the touchdown passes, feels like. Um but no, he's really cleaned it up this year, but I'm right there with you. No matter how good your quarterback is, is if your offensive line sucks, it doesn't really matter how good they are because, well, he's, he's not going to have um, pretty much any any possibility to get that offense going or get in a rhythm. Um, so aside from that, I also do think, uh, kind of like what you were saying just a moment ago, that Missouri will just straight up outgun South Carolina in this game. You know, they're six and one for a reason. They're playing really good ball. And, you know, Luther Burden is one of the top five wide receivers in the country, in my opinion. Um, and I feel like he will absolutely continue his toward pace for this season, uh, this upcoming Saturday. And I think Missouri will win this game pretty handily, if you ask me. Let's look at Texas going on the road to face the Houston Cougars. Texas. Definitely has a bad taste in the mouth after losing the Red River shootout. And U of H has to be riding pretty high after beating West Virginia on a Hail Mary crazy game there that we talked about. But, yeah, this is a pretty interesting game here. I think Houston has Donovan Smith, a quarterback, who actually beat the Longhorns last year when he was at Texas Tech. They have a good group of skill guys, including Matthew Golden, who has been a bit dinged up there. But even with the loss of Tank Dell, Houston can still put up some points. But ultimately, I just don't think the Texas should really have any problem with this Cougars defense. I think if the Longhorns show up focused and they make some tweaks on defense from Red River, that they should win this game pretty handily. Ole Miss goes to Jordan Hare. And, man, this game is a little interesting for me. I mean, I feel like Hugh Freeze has to pull an upset at some point this year, and I feel like it could be to Ole Miss. Something about playing in Jordan Hare gives Auburn just a huge advantage. It always seems like there's some sort of weird voodoo magic going on there. But, yeah, I don't know whether it's War Eagle or whether it's another bird like a parakeet. I think I got to roll with Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels here. And, yeah, I think Ole Miss finds a way, but I think this is going to be probably a three to six point game. I think this is for sure a one possession game, but I think that Ole Miss gets it done. Yeah, I, I have Ole Miss in this game as well. Um, regardless of how bad their defense has been up to this point in the season, um, Auburn's offense is just as bad, if not worse than that defense. So, um, and as we know, 
clearly, if you have a bad defense, odds are the strength of your team will be the offense, and that clearly is the case for Ole Miss this year. Um, you know, no matter how good Auburn's defense may be, um, I just think Ole Miss's offense is just too much for them to handle. And I do agree with what you said, though. I do definitely believe that Hugh Freeze is due for an upset at some point this season. However, I do not see that happening this game. As bad as I would love for that to happen, um, I really would. But I don't necessarily see that happening against um, a pretty much night and day difference uh, in an Ole Miss team compared to Auburn. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a shame because Auburn's quarterback situation is just so bad. They're really – there's just no way that – I mean, there's always a way, but I just think it makes it a lot harder when they struggle to do even the most basic things offensively. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the stat line, like season leaders right now for Auburn, and their quarterback, Peyton Thorne, as you would expect, of course, leads the team in passing, and he also leads the team in rushing yards. That's so, no sign unless you're Lamar Jackson. Yeah, exactly. And the thing, too, is that, you know, um, Peyton Thorne certainly – isn't the best quarterback in the SEC, let alone the country by any means. Uh, but he's certainly the best option that Hugh Freeze has at Auburn right now. Clearly, that's why he's the starter. Um, but when your quarterback leads the team in rushing yards, it's honestly a bit of a miracle that I hate to sound morbid or go down this path, but it's actually kind of amazing that he hasn't had some kind of injury or anything like that up to this point, considering just the true wear and tear one of the SEC, but two, the play style that he's been, that he's been playing so far this year at Auburn. Um, you know, I, I feel like um, an injury, if you play this much or you get hit that often, is bound to happen. And it hasn't happened yet for Peyton Thorne. So I guess that really just shows you just how much of a warrior and fighter that kid is. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely a bit of a concern when your quarterback, aside from Lamar Jackson or Johnny Manziel, maybe Tim Tebow or Cam Newton as well. Um, it's It's a bit of a concern if, you know, your quarterback who's not at that caliber is still leading your team and rushing that that's just not a good thing. Um, anyways, moving on, let's dive into Duke and Florida state Colton. What do you see and who you got? Yeah, look what pretty much the biggest story of this game is, is Duke star quarterback, Riley Leonard going to give it a go. And it seems like that's a bit up in the air after he was injured against Notre Dame a few weeks back, but even if he's back, it seems – I mean, I would assume that he's going to be pretty limited and his legs are a big part of his game. So kind of unfortunate because Duke has played some great football of late and they're still undefeated in conference play. But I think that Mike Alco could put together a nice defensive game plan to keep Florida State kind of at home for a while. But ultimately, without Riley Leonard, I don't think that it'll matter. And I think that Jordan Travis, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson in this FSU – seminal offense gets it going and they end up beating duke by double digits so this game is at 6 30 at dote campbell in tallahassee personally that's in my opinion that is one of the top 10 most difficult venues in all of college football let alone the time so especially if you add in night it just makes it that much more difficult for an opposing team in my opinion um as for Duke, you know, you, you did mention Riley, Riley Leonard will try to give it a go this week, obviously against um, their biggest opponent that they've had and, you know, well, since Notre Dame. But, um, you know, as we all remember, uh, the, at the literally last play of the game against Notre Dame, Riley Leonard went down with that lower leg injury and literally uh, hobbled his way out of the stadium on crutches. So to see him from that about three weeks ago, whatnot, to him trying to, fully start a game against a top five team on the road um 
that would be a really impressive thing to do. Um, so I'm pulling for the kid. I really am. Um, just hope he stays healthy. But anyways, as for this game, I think it's pretty glaring that Florida State is just going to outmatch Duke straight up, no matter how good Mike Elko's defensive plan may be and how stout Duke's defense has been up to this point. Um, Jordan Travis, Keon Coleman, and co., they're just such a handful for any team they match up against. Um, and, you know, especially as I was saying earlier, when you have factors working in your favor, such as a home game in Tallahassee at 630, I mean, it doesn't really get much better than that if you're Florida State. So I got Florida State in this game by probably – Shoot, probably fourteen points. I feel like that might that might be a pretty good guess for me. Let's jump into another ACC matchup here. Clemson goes to Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, and yeah, this is kind of a desperation game for both teams. They both already have two conference losses. Miami's actually searching for their first conference win of the year, and yeah, I don't know. I just Miami struggled the last two weeks. I know them being at home isn't that big of an advantage, but I guess it's better than being on the road. I just haven't seen enough from Kid Klubnik in this Clemson offense to make me believe that they could outscore Miami if it comes to that. I know that Clemson has a great defense, but I think the Canes are going to put up enough points here, and Mario Cristobal gets a much-needed win against Dabo Sweeney. Let's take a look at Utah going to the Coliseum to play USC. And this game... It's just unfortunate. I mean, Utah's been playing it pretty coy with Cam Rising this year, but at this point, I'd be surprised if he played it all this season. If he does, it would probably be the last few games of the year. And, yeah, I mean, if, if Utah had Cam Rising, I think that the Utes would win this game. They're going to be way more physical than, than USC, but I think, one, Caleb's going to be looking for a bounce-back game. And, look, even if this USC team struggles for a while, I just don't think that Utah's quarterbacks can put up enough points, whether it's Nate Johnson or Bryson Barnes. And, yeah, it's unfortunate. If they had Cam Rising, I think that the Utes would probably be undefeated and they would beat this USC team again. But I think that the Trojans get their revenge from the last two games and they get it done in the Coliseum. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, it really is a bit of a shame considering the whole Cam Rising situation that's been going on this season. Um, clearly, he's one of the best quarterbacks that we have in college football when he's fully healthy. We saw that last year. We've seen it the past few years he's been in college. And so that whole kind of speculation throughout the week so far of whether he'll play or not has is if you're a Utah fan or a student and whatnot, that's just got to be exhausting. Um, but anyways, you know they they've made the most out of what they can with without him there, and they're they're still five and one and ranked top fifteen in the country. Um, anyways, though, I I agree with what you're saying just a second ago. Um, I certainly see USC having a pretty big bounce back game here. Um, you know, Caleb Williams won the Heisman last year for a reason, and he's, you know, arguably the best quarterback in the country for a reason as well. Um, and, you know, he had a pretty bad game last week, not going to lie, with those three first-half picks. Um, so with that being said, I'm looking for uh, a pretty resounding win for USC here, especially considering what happened last year in the Pac-12 championship. Um, that certainly must leave a bit of a bitter taste in Caleb Williams' mouth. Um, but anyways, yeah, I got USC here pretty comfortably over Utah. Let's close it out with another Pac-12 game. We have Arizona State going on the road to face the red-hot Washington Huskies. They're coming off a huge win against Oregon and Seattle. Yeah, I don't really – I don't see much here for Arizona State. I think Washington coming off that big win wants to keep this train rolling. And Arizona State is 
it's Kenny Dillingham's first year. They are rebuilding that program, and they have had awful injury luck. They've started at least three to four different quarterbacks this year. And, yeah, I think that Washington and this offense is going to be way too much and that the Huskies get it done here. No problem. Yeah, there's a little little question at all about who will win this game, in my opinion. Um, Michael Penix Jr., dude's an absolute stud. He's a freak, as we know. Um, I mean, he's he's too much to handle for any team, I feel like, in, in the country. No matter how good their defense may be, Michael Penix is just that much better. Um, and so especially going uh, going up against a 1-5 Arizona State team at home, you know, Washington 6-0, and they're top five in the country, coming off a huge win against Oregon the week before. I don't see this momentum slowing down at all anytime soon. So I got the Huskies rolling big against Arizona State this upcoming week. Yeah, so a bunch of really exciting games to look forward to. Let's hop into some locks of the week. My first one, I'm going to take Arkansas at home minus six against Mississippi State. This has been a rough year for Mississippi State. It, it obviously sucks, the whole Mike Leach situation and Zach Arnett being thrown in there. Year ones are tough as it is, especially going after and now, especially when you have a situation like that. Always swing your sword. Rest in peace to the pirate. But CJK 5A is Colton. Yeah, this is true. Craig James killed five hookers. But yeah, look, Arkansas, they're in desperate need of a win. Sam Pittman is. And I think KJ Jefferson and the Razorbacks get it going just enough to cover this six point spread against. Mississippi State, I just think that they have struggled a lot this year. And switching from the air raid to a new system is always tough. And, yeah, I I think the Bulldogs might be the worst team in the SEC right now. And mother lock, let's have OU coming off the, that big Red River win and a bye week, minus 19 against Gus Malzahn and UCF, Jeff Levy's old team there. And, um, yeah, I just think that, OU's going to be well-rested. I think that the Veer and Shoot offense that they run is pretty well-equipped to blow out teams if, simply put, if you, have, if you if it, like if it's just a better matchup receiver-wise, I think it's I think it's over for the Knights, which I expect. So, yeah, I'm going to take OU minus 19 as a lock and Arkansas minus 6. Will, what do you got? So, I might have a few head scratchers, at least with this first game. Y'all probably might think it's an absolute dog food of a take. Um, but I'm taking Army plus 31 on the road against LSU. I, I'm not choosing this because I think Army will win the game. Absolutely not. Um, but considering just how Army and all service academies are, especially on offense where they completely dominate times of possession, um, this is going to be an absolute brutal watch of a game if you're an LSU fan just because you'll only have the ball for like three minutes total this game. Um, so, but because of that, that is why I'm betting on army to cover plus 31 because they truly dominate uh, the time of possession that long on offense. I don't think LSU will have enough time to score 31 or more points. Um, and after that, my next game of the week is Ole Miss minus six and a half versus Auburn. Um, you know, I, I feel like this one's a little bit self-explanatory or at least, um, uh, piggybacking off of what I said in the game preview just a moment ago. Um, you know, Auburn, we did talk about how we feel Hugh Freeze is just due for an upset at some point, but that's just not going to happen this week. I, I really don't don't feel that uh, feel that kind of Jordan Hare, Mojo, Juju that Colton was talking about a second ago for this game. Um, so, yeah, considering how um, Ole Miss's offense has looked this year, you know, putting up a lot of points, um, I feel like this Ole Miss minus six and a half might as well be um, 
I don't want to say free money because that would be too confident, but I, I think it's a, a pretty resounding uh, and obvious yes for this weekend. And if I'm wrong, I will absolutely be the first one to admit it and eat my crow come next Tuesday for our next episode. Yeah, I mean, so Will rolled with two SEC games there. Both of Will's locks of the week hit last week. Unfortunately, one of mine failed, so I can't be right all the time. I'm sorry to the audience. But yeah, I'm trying to go undefeated again this week, Colton. i got to keep the streak going. Yeah, if you're in Vegas this week, you got to listen to Will based off the track record. But I think that I'm going to have a big-time bounce-back week rooting for the Razorbacks. And fortunately here, I'm counting on the Sooners, but I think that they'll have no problem. But, yeah, I mean, you touched on two SEC games for your locks. There's been a pretty big injury in the SEC, probably the biggest and most notable injury in the country right now. And that's obviously his last name starts with a B. You know who I'm talking about, Shane Beamer, broken foot. So, yeah, pretty frustrated after that loss to Florida, and he kicked something. We don't know what it was. I think he kicked a locker is what he said. It was a locker? Okay, yeah. I think so. He kicked a locker, which is never ideal. I mean, mean, I guess we don't know what the locker looked like. might have been pretty beat up, but I I think that Shane Beamer probably got the rougher end of that, that encounter. And, yeah, so broken foot, Will, what does it mean? I really, I don't really know. I feel like this is a great metaphor for how the season in South Carolina is going. Um, you know, you have a, a absolute stud quarterback who's been playing his best ball of his entire collegiate career this year, and everything else around him is just completely fallen apart and collapsed. Um, hence, reflecting their two and four record up to this point. So it makes sense why Shane Beamer would kick a locker. Um, you know, clearly Beamer ball was was the absolute, you know. Um, excuse me, my brain just crapped out on me. Um, obviously, Beamer Ball was extremely successful last year against really tough opponents and really high-caliber opponents, and that is just not the case this year up to this point. Um, so I certainly understand his frustration, especially you know when you have a quarterback who's playing as well as Spencer Rattler, you don't want to waste that talent. And if anything, you'd expect to win a lot more games than you lose, and that's just not the case. So that's probably that's at least my take on why I thought he kicked a locker. Uh, but you also did bring up a good point, though. We don't know exactly what the uh, what the locker looks like. Um, so as of right now, clearly Shane Beamer had the um, short the short end of the stick on this one, but he could have absolutely um, given that locker the business. We have no idea. Yeah, we'll have to do some internal investigations about what happened to the locker. But yeah, I mean, I'm totally with you. It's it definitely is frustrating. South Carolina always has, always has a pretty tough schedule, especially because they always play Georgia and they always play Clemson. But I mean, towards towards the end of last year, with the momentum that you built and with Rattler kind of figuring it out and you're able to crush Tennessee and beat Clemson for the first time in forever, it really kind of felt like that this could be kind of a year where South Carolina – make some noise or maybe just pulls another upset or two, which I guess they still could do. But yeah, sitting at two and five, I mean, they're probably not going to make a bowl game at this point. So yeah, I would probably, I mean, if I was a kid, I'd probably kick a locker if I was two and one, but yeah, two and five, it'd be over. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely not ideal, but another big injury, probably not as big in the world, but yeah, this guy named Brock Bowers is pretty injured, which it's definitely unfortunate. Brock Bowers is undoubtedly the best tight end in the country. He's a freak. Georgia gives him, the touches on handoffs as a tight end, which is pretty nuts. So yeah, he had a, is it a, I think it was a high ankle sprain, but he has to get surgery on it or maybe it was, it was some sort of foot deal there. So to what I was reading just a moment ago, before we started recording, I think he actually had like a mini fracture in his ankle. Um, 
And so in theory, that may actually work out better in the end, because as we know, with sprains compared to breaks, when you break a bone, you know, you either have surgery or put it in a cast. And after uh, four to six or six to eight weeks, however long it takes, that bone's officially healed. And for the most part, you're back to normal compared to sprains. Those can linger for months and months and months. So, um, but to what I did read, he his injury was on his ankle, and it was bad enough to require surgery. Um, so I, at least in my opinion, every time I see the word surgery, I guess I automatically assume it was a break. Um, but anyways, this is absolutely just – I don't want to say a crushing loss for Georgia, but it, it – okay, I, I will. It, 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 it pretty much is. Um, however, though, Georgia still is the number one team in the country, and they are an absolute machine, especially it seems like these past few weeks they're really coming into their own. Um, they're really showing the country why they still have that number one by their name. And, um, you know, it will definitely be tough. You will absolutely miss um, having the best tight end in the country, uh, not in your starting lineup every week going forward. But at the end of the day, as I was saying, Georgia is an absolute machine. And I don't even though you take such a loss like this, I don't really see them slowing down at all. Yeah, it seems like optimistically this could be a four to six week recovery. So if they made the SEC championship and the playoffs, they would probably have him back. But yeah, I mean, I think this is a pretty big loss. It's tough because it seems like every time I want to count Georgia out or think that they're really struggling, they turn around and smash their next opponent. But I think their offense without Bowers really, really struggles. And I mean, we've mentioned, I think that they downgraded at offensive coordinator and a quarterback, frankly. I think Carson Beck is actually playing really well as of late, but still he's not Stetson Bennett like he was the last two years. And yeah, look, I mean, this is probably the – quote-unquote, toughest part of Georgia's schedule. This is not as tough as it is, but they do have to play Tennessee, Missouri, and Ole Miss. So I don't know. Florida, if, Florida as well. Florida. I don't think yeah. Florida's a threat, though. But you never know no. a rivalry game. But In that game, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think if there was ever a time for Georgia to lose, it would be now. But, yeah, we'll see. Because with how Georgia's schedule is, I don't think they can afford to lose a game if they want to make the playoffs. No, not at all. And that um, kind of leads us into what we're going to talk about now with – this college football season is so far pretty wide open, it looks like, and there's a lot of teams that have a chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, man, what a send-off for the Pac-12, you know? Uh, it's kind of crazy because, you know, we've kind of, in the playoff era, come to expect from them maybe one, if not two teams to be competing for a playoff spot. But as of this year, you know, you look at the likes of Oregon and Washington and before their loss against Notre Dame, but um, or excuse me, before their loss against Notre Dame, you had USC. And to be fair, a one-loss USC team, if they went out, could still easily make the playoff if they show signs of improvement. Um, so yeah, the Pac-12 is absolutely on crack this year, and I'm for it, especially since, since it's their send-off. Um, you know, you also look at the Big Ten. You have Ohio State, you have Penn State, you have Michigan, who are all absolutely taking care of business and looking like complete dominant teams. And on the other side of things in the Big Ten, you have a one-loss Iowa team, which, you know, I don't want to count them out. It's not looking probable for them to make the playoff, but there's, you know, say they say they make the conference championship like how we're expecting them to out of their division, and somehow hell freezes over and they win the conference championship. I mean, I, I if, if you have a one-loss Iowa team who's a conference champion in the Big Ten, it's kind of hard to keep them out of the playoff, in my opinion. Um, then on top of that, you go down to the Big 12. I mean, you have Oklahoma and Texas who are playing absolutely lights out. I mean, I know that Texas now has one loss, but um, their schedule, at least in my opinion, is has a favorable outlook going forward. And Oklahoma, 
you know, considering the team they were last year has made a complete 180. I mean, I remember coming into this season, I was asking you if we could consider Oklahoma the next Nebraska, and boy, was I wrong about that. Um, so you got those two from the Big 12, and the SEC, I mean, even as wide open as the SEC is, um, you know, the committee absolutely loves that conference regardless of who comes out of it. It's usually always Alabama or Georgia or in, in last year's case, it was LSU out of the West. But anyways, um, you know, it, it would be a bit of a shock to not have an SEC team, SEC team in there. Um, but I feel like as of this year, that is certainly not out of the realm of possibility. And then finally you look at the ACC and Florida state is absolutely balling out of their minds right now. Um, yeah, I, th- this season is, the CFP this year is is so up for the so up um, for grabs and is truly there for the taking for a, a quite quite a big majority of teams out there. Um, and so, at least in my opinion, if the, if the season ended today, it would actually be really refreshing and really nice to watch the selection show and not have pretty much any idea who like the top four teams would be, except for I guess Georgia at this point because they're still the number one team in the country. Yeah, I'm totally with you. It's going to be awesome to see how it plays out. And yeah, I mean, if we, I mean, because in the Pac-12, you mentioned Oregon and Washington, and I hope that both those teams play again, and that it's 11 and one versus 12 and 0 or 11 and one. And I mean, I think we 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 mentioned it on Tuesday's show, but I mean, Oregon State right now is six and one, and they have a good chance of being nine and one headed into Oregon and Washington. So. There's a lot going on there in the Pac-12, a lot of quality games there at the end of the year. Big 12, yeah, you mentioned it. Oklahoma, I think, is going to go undefeated and kind of hoping that Texas is 11-1 there and you can have a rematch for a spot in the playoff there. To mention, I mean, Alabama, Georgia, I think if an SEC team is ever going to miss the playoffs, it could be this year if Georgia takes a loss. And, yeah, the ACC, you have Florida State and North Carolina, who's still undefeated. Yeah, I forgot about my Heisman pick. I'm sorry about that. And Louisville only has one loss. I don't think that they're going to win out, but you never know. Duke only has a loss. So it feels like there's going to be even more high stakes games than, than usual. And yeah, I think in the big 10, I mean, you got to be fired up about Ohio state, Michigan this weekend, but kind of that whole round rock or sorry, uh, Ohio state, Penn state this weekend, but kind of that whole round Robin that's going to be going on between those top three teams there with Penn state, Ohio state and Michigan. So Really excited to see how it plays out. You mentioned Iowa. Iowa, when scoring points this year, is undefeated. So, they are. You know, if they can put up some points, who knows? But Anything's possible. I actually had a thought. What if Iowa goes 11-1, and makes a Big Ten championship, and then they just roll out every trick play in the book? I'm talking fumble ruskies, receiver pass. Statue, you know, Statue of Liberty yeah, Statue of Liberty, double passes. I want to see flea flickers. Flea flickers, uh, like hook and ladder kind of plays and all that. Because what if what if they score two touchdowns on big plays and they make a field goal? The other team you points in the game. Their defense is so good. You know what, Colton? What if Iowa is, is secretly like one of the best offenses in all of college football, but they're playing chestnut checkers and they won't expose that until they reach the conference championship? They have a whole other piece of the playbook. They have a I whole mean, other playbook called the Big Ten Championship. This might not be out of the realm of possibility. I mean, you know, people are probably going to call us crazy now for discussing this, but it, it's it's a very real thing. I mean, we saw exactly what happened to Boise State in the 2007 Fiesta Bowl. I mean, everyone was expecting Oklahoma to absolutely roll in there and crush them, and, you know, they whip out a ton of trick plays and clearly got the win. So that could very well be in store for Iowa if they actually make it to the conference championship this year, which, you know, you and I both think they, they will come out of the Big Ten West. 
look, when Iowa beats Michigan fifty-two to three in 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 Indy, people with behind seven Deegan Hill touchdowns, people people aren't going to be laughing anymore. But yeah, like we mentioned, I mean, this is going to be just a wild race to the finish. And it's college football. There's going to be a lot of upsets. I think Texas has some tough games on the stretch there. I'm looking at K-State, TCU, and Iowa State, all as potential upsets there. Oklahoma, you never know. if Are they going to go 12-0? We, and we mentioned how Washington still has to play Oregon State and the Cougs at, at the end of the year, as well as USC. So a lot of time for some mix-up there in the Pac-12. Same with the ACC. No one's going to go. I mean, it's, you know, not everyone's going undefeated. We know how, how college ball works. So there's going to be some heartbreaking upsets on the stretch and just really excited to see how it plays out because I think typically a team starts to emerge where you kind of can tell, okay, these, you know, kind of these one to two, three teams are clearly dominant, but that hasn't happened so far. I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I feel like it would have probably happened by now at this point in the year. And well, it's just not really the case. I mean, except for maybe, Washington has emerged um, has just as just a juggernaut this year. But even then, as you said, it's college football. There are always upsets and games where you expect one team to win. No problem. And well, they don't end up doing that. But at the same time, that's what makes our that that's what makes our game so beautiful. And that's why everyone loves it. Um, no, I'm I'm absolutely so pumped and really excited just to see how the rest of the season plays out. I don't want to rush away the season. Um, at all because this is what you and I truly live for as college kids and college football fans. But um, obviously it's inevitable for the season. It will have to come to an end and it will eventually end with near six bowls and the college football playoff. And so I am really excited to see just how um, from this point going forward, how the season plays out and who will be playing in the college football playoff. Yeah. And just as we think Georgia's about to take over, their best player goes down. Yeah. Like, it's absolute chaos, and I'm here for it. Yeah, I think that's going to kind of wrap up our college football discussion for this week. Like we mentioned, really exciting week eight and just a lot to look forward to for the rest of the year. But, yeah, like like Will mentioned, just, you know, just, just enjoy every Saturday because, unfortunately, we only get about 12 to 13 Saturdays in the year of this beautiful and fun sport. So, But, hey, you know what's coming up pretty soon? It's college basketball season, baby. Yeah, this is October. As John this Ross is October. Say. It spreads. It always spreads. But, <laughs> and you know what he says, we sleep in May. Exactly. But yeah, let's get into everyone's favorite segment, life advice before we close out here. So, yeah, we have a bit of a relationship or a situationship issue here. So I'll just lead it off here. Essentially, there's this girl that this guy is really into, and they hang out a lot, and sometimes is romantic i suppose and it always seems to go well they have a lot of fun together but this girl never takes the guy to her sorority formals and date events so this guy's just wondering how he's going to handle this so yeah this is a pretty tough situation if i'm going to be honest i'm just going to be pretty pretty blunt here i don't think that she is taking you that seriously. I think she probably just has fun with you, but I don't think that long-term she really sees something there or else she would be taking you to these date events and formals where you get to spend a lot of one-on-one time together. So how do you handle it? I think you maybe just have an honest conversation, tell her how you feel, but yeah, I don't know. I guess it depends on what you want to, but I don't think that you should waste your time there if you are not being 
appreciated and getting the respect that you deserve. I'm not really sure how to answer this. Um, aside from, I agree with what you just said. Um, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, there's never like, aside from your, your close family, like your parents, your siblings, grandparents, people like that, there isn't really too many people else in the world that you should truly like bend over backwards for, if that makes sense, like move heaven and earth to do this and that, um, just to, you know, see this person or be with this person, so on and so forth. So in this case, you know, you said that you you hang out a lot and it goes well, but you don't go to like sorority formals. It sounds like to me that if you, if I'm the guy in this case, at least from what I'm getting from this is that the chick is kind of just stringing this guy along and is, you know, hanging out with them when she, when it feels convenient to her. Um, I feel like I'm absolutely railing on this chick, which I'm not trying to do it's, it's but it's just my opinion. But, um, it feels like, um, it, it kind of feels like the balls in her court, um, in this example, this scenario, um, it feels like she's the one calling all the shots. And it, it in this case, it seems like the dude is just kind of okay with it. Um, and so if that's what you want to do, if that's where, um, if that's what you're comfortable doing, then, you know, just keep doing it. But clearly there's something a little bit off or else you wouldn't have asked this question on our absolute five-star podcast. Um, so if I, if this were me in this scenario, I would do probably exactly what Colson said. I'd have to have a bit of an honest conversation with this person just to, you know, maybe see, um, if we can see eye to eye on this or if, you know, if she feels the same way about me as I do about her and vice versa. Um, and, you know, if, if after that conversation, you'll have a lot more to work with. You'll have a lot more uh, of a general heading, I feel like. And, you know, if you're able to wor potentially work something out from there, um, that's both mutual and that y'all both agree with, then that's great. Or if that's the case or if one or if, if the other case is if, you know, you see one thing and they see the other thing, then it's probably just best if as painful as it might be for some to probably just cut strings and move along. Um because at the end of the day, no one really wants to feel like a doormat. No one, wants, no one wants to really feel like a second option or be dragged around. And if that's, you know, what ultimately happens out of this, then, you know, you just got to bite the bullet and probably just cut ties. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you always want to be respected. And yeah, I think, I think you're spot on. I think that the ball seems to be in her court, and I think that he needs to get some power. If you want to do something crazy, you could maybe go, maybe you could go like abroad for a semester, and then, and then you know, really see if she misses you. Distance makes the, what is it like? Distance make, like makes the heart grow stronger, like grow yeah, or something, exactly. something like that. Yeah. So I think I don't, I don't I'm know. not good at old adages. I'm sorry. Yeah. So maybe, well, maybe you could do something drastic. You go abroad. I don't know. Maybe you start talking to other people. I don't know. We'll see. But I think you just have an honest conversation. And yeah, just say how you feel. And I am most definitely qualified to give this advice, even though I'm currently dressed as a giraffe. I mean, I, I took it completely serious. I, I, I respected everything that you just said there a moment ago, Colton. I wonder if, just curious, what if therapists were encouraged to dress up like like I am, wear a funny costume, because then I think that can make things seem a little less serious and maybe keep people a little happier and brighter.
I yeah no I agree but at the same time though if you're dealing with like extremely like life-changing altering situations and your therapist shows up in a draft onesie you might be like what the hell um because sometimes it's great to be funny and sometimes it's great to be serious and so I feel like that's kind of like a whole read the room situation you know um so you know what I feel like a great compromise would be this if you're like a therapist like that if you're if you're like a male therapist, you can like easily wear the onesie like underneath the suit. Um, and if you, you know, if it's like a Friday and you're feeling good and then your patient's feeling good and co- kind of confident, kind of in a silly, goofy mood, then sure, just go for it and just say like, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm a giraffe. Um, and they'll probably be like, what? And then you just, you know, take the suit off and there's your onesie. So I don't see why not. But for any other occasion, I, I don't really think that I think that's probably a no go. Yeah, that's fair enough. Just, I don't know. I'm really, really loving how this, how this fits. I mean, I, I don't know why I just thought of this, but like, imagine, you know, <laughs> this is extremely morbid. I'm sorry for where I'm about to take this, but imagine like your patient walks in, sits down on the couch and like, Hey, you know, my, uh, you know, my dog got like hit by a truck and you like walk in and you're like, I'm a giraffe. And you're like, Oh, sorry. Like that, that probably wouldn't go over too well. Yeah. I think it's a situation by situation basis. I think it's case by case basis here. Yeah. Yeah. Kind um, of a situation. I, I think we provided our best insight. I think we're both on the same page. You want to be respected and, and yeah, you don't want to not be wanted. And so, yeah, I think you just have an honest conversation and think about what you really want and see how that goes. Colton, I think with with uh, each life advice segment that we do like this about situationships and certain like life struggles like that, I think you and I are certainly well on our way to having our own primetime TV show like Dr. Phil. Yeah, I would do that if anyone wants to sign us up. I'd yeah, I'm down. I'm, I'm more than down. I'll do it for free with a start. Mm-hmm. Then we'll have to discuss some. Once the ratings come come rolling in, we're going to have to we're going to have to adjust but yeah, I think another great life advice submission. Thank you. If you have any other life questions, things you want us to talk about, or we love doing our drafts, we're going to bring that back next week. So yeah, any topics or random objects you would like us to draft, please let us know. But I think that's all we've got today, unless you have anything else you want to add. Um, no, I, I can't think of anything right now. Um, as always, I just want to thank each and every one of y'all for uh, the ones that have stuck around the entirety of this episode to get to this point where we are now. Thank you very much. Uh, we really appreciate it. And as Colton was saying, if you have any thoughts, questions, uh, concerns, ideas, anything you want us to talk about, anything you want us to draft, um, anything we might have missed, so on and so forth, uh, please feel free to let us know. You know where to reach us on our social media, Twitter, Instagram, or we, we even have our own email. Um, but other than that, that'll just about do it for us. Thank you very much. Um, Colton, I'll, I'll let you close this out. Thank you all.